everybody, this is episode two with Love and Rage, and I have a very special guest, super especial. I'm joined today by the one and only Naomi Matos. That is so extra. (laughs) You're iconic. You deserve that kind of intro. It's well-deserved. So, yeah, people know who I am. You know, you listen to episode one. You listen to the trailer. If you follow me on Instagram, you know me, Angela Loca, the host of With Love and Rage. But can you tell us who you are? Who is Naomi? Who is she? I don't know. I try to find out every day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, so my name's Naomi. Uh, I'm a climate justice organizer for the same org that Ange is in, and um, pronouns she, her, but honestly, at this point, I think that I'm I'm more okay with accepting all of them, and, uh, you know, with respect, <laughs> and uh, as far as, like, gender expression and orientation, everything's fluid, and um, that's, like, my favorite line now, <laughs> and it, it works, it works, it works, because it's accurate. And um, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at at this point in time. It is July 18th. I'm in Orlando. Naomi, where are you? I am in West Miramar, South Florida. Is that 954? That's 954, 954 forever. So let's let's get into it. Let's get into yes. it. How, how did we meet? How do we know each other? And when when was the moment for you when you knew we would be good friends? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. So um, we met. So I was I heard about you. Um, people were telling me like, oh my god, there's this girl. Her name is Angela. Like, you work with her now. Like she's amazing. Like she's all this. She's all that. I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> like who is this individual you know and so I was like keeping an eye out but like when I came into the space that I was working with it went full speed um out of nowhere like literally right off the bat so mm-hmm. in my head I didn't remember like I remember in Angela because people were texting me saying oh like did you see Angela did you see Angela and we were in Orlando in the middle of nowhere <laughs> I have never better houses. Literally, I had never been somewhere so cold in my life. <laughs> it was it was really cold. You're so right. And um, obviously, it was just everything was shocking. Like I had never met these people before. People were like, "Did you see Angela?" I'm like, "It's cold." <laughs> and um, <laughs> we were. I was getting text messages, and I looked to the front of the room. And then, like, it clicked because people kept saying, oh, Ange, Ange, Ange. And I'm like, wait, is this Angela? <laughs> In my head, it didn't click that your name was Angela. Yeah. I was just like, oh, her name is Ange. Like, that's it. Oh, okay, yes. I do remember this story, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then uh, that's pretty much how it was. I was like, oh, my God. But then I think that the moment, I think one of the first moments was like later on in the, within that like retreat, you were like playing like Omega. Oh my I was God. roasting myself next to the fake fire. <laughs> and like, I was like, 
like I took a moment I looked around and I was like let me like I'm counting you know I'm doing the mental math I'm like wait a minute like who just who just did this and then Andrew's there like two-stepping it and I was like okay (laughs) turn it up please and from then on it was just like sporadic moments Mm -hmm. and then we danced it out in Tallahassee Mm -hmm. while I was wearing this shirt that I'm currently wearing now yeah and then you know explosions fireworks uh all the experiences and now we're here yes oh my gosh so I so I have these questions like pre-made I send them to Naomi Mm -hmm. I didn't want her to answer them like like I didn't want to hear. I wanted to be in the moment. And that was my moment too, was the Omega. I remember being in the kitchen. I Yes, you were by this fake fire. <laughs> I don't even know the if it radiated. Was, it did. It did. It did? It, it, oh, okay. I swear to God, it did. Yeah, because I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> no, Naomi was by this, was in like a beach chair next to this fake fire that radiated heat. And I'm DJ, you know, as, as I do, as I step into that role Love sometimes. It. And I play Omega, and I remember Naomi go, who put that on? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, me? And then you're like, you're like, we had this moment, like, I, yeah. like we, we see each I other. See you. Yeah. I see you. You're one of mine. Okay. Yes. Like, I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. That moment, Omega, I was like, yes, because not a lot of people love Omega, or just like, you know. It's an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste, you know? Um, and then, yeah, the second, I feel like, moment was um, when we were in Tallahassee dancing it up. And yeah. while we were heading out for the night festivities, <laughs> I I show up with my, like, fake kind of snake print boots. And you had, like, faux snake print pants. And we were like, okay. And the shenanigans <laughs> ensued. Yes. Yes. We were matching. We didn't even plan it. I think we were both wearing black, we too. It was. We did. We were. Yeah. It was, it was such, they were such good outfits. Yeah. So cute. So cute. I hope I, ha- I, I wish I had a video or picture. I might share it. You never <laughs> know. Somebody media. might have it. Yeah, that's so true. Um, But yeah, no, I thought it was, that'd be fun to let people know how we met. Cause you know, talking about the warm and fuzzy, the feely feels, as we say. The feely feels. So when this Naomi and I met, I was also probably like, kind of in the the middle of thinking about this podcast and we were having a conversation with the whole staff just talking about just different pieces and, and love and rage just often comes up maybe not in those specific terms but people are kind of naming those things and I remember like there was someone on our staff who was kind of like I don't know about that that love <laughs> They're like, I feel like we have a lot to do. And sometimes people are like, let's just love each other and hold each other's hands. And it doesn't feel like productive or sustainable for this movement. And I remember hearing that. And then you and you kind of like agreeing. You're like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was and I remember feeling like, oh, wow, like there are these legitimate tensions with like how love shows up in this work. And so it felt important to me. And I remember even back then was thinking about, oh, I want to interview Naomi about it because I think it's important to bring that into the space. I mean, I talked about it in episode one about how the ways that love is used in the erasing, distracting ways. And I feel like you and our coworker were speaking to that. 
And so I wanted yeah. to dive deep into those into That's those feelings. Perfect. And then and then episode one came out. <laughs> and I you shared with me that there was some sort of shift, you know. So thinking mm-hmm. about those tensions that existed and may still and your reflections on episode one, like tell me about a little bit like what happened and what was what shifted or was there an aha moment while you were listening to that? So yeah, because um we've we've been having these conversations, like after that conversation that we had in the staff retreat, um, I feel like again, back into the other topic that we were talking about, like those those moments that we realized how this was gonna last mm-hmm. was when we were in the car ride in Orlando. And yeah. then we touched again this topic of like the podcast. Mm-hmm. But it was when episode one came out and I listened to it that it clicked that I was like, oh, like this is like this is what it's about, basically, like the idea of radical love and that it's not just something that is just set out the mouth without any type of like sort of like receipts to it. Um mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the times I've dealt with situations where it was something that was either transactional mm-hmm. or um, somebody was saying it in order to deflect from the actions and the accountability that they were supposed to hold in that moment. Mm-hmm. So when it wasn't that anymore, and it was the fact that like, you know, you holding someone accountable and making sure that you're not being hurt in the process and all these different instances of like proactive, like harmonious arrangements, I was like, oh my God, like you don't just have to get run over while somebody's telling you like, I love you in the process. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really where I was like, let me text Ange and also let me write an essay on my Instagram story, <laughs> letting everybody know that they needed to subscribe right now or that I was gonna go after them. Yeah. Number well- one fan. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. No, and I remember I, I was looking back at our messages and you texted me my hesitance to the use of love because it's always spoken, but not really shown. I think that it's something that's particularly dangerous uh, because with that whole talking bit, people can really do whatever they want. And as soon as those words sort of like leave their mouth, you just sort of to them, it seems like as if like the slate was clean mm-hmm. and they don't, there's no room for growth or for any type of like um, process where if something happened that was wrong, um, like you can't bring that up in a way that might be constructive and would allow for a proper interaction that would lead to a changed behavior. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, well, I, that's, that's all I can give you. Like, I love you. That's about it. And um, that's where it gets kind of like crispy because in a way. um, (laughs) I like that term. Yeah. Fun. Exactly. Fun adjectives on this one. Yeah. Uh, Like, I think that in a way it sort of like misconstrues the expectations that you should hold from people when they use love as like this thing to wield whenever they find themselves in those situations because mm. if somebody's like chucking it up to like I do this because I love you and they're harming you you know like what does that do to yourself 
and your image of yourself and also your self-worth because mm. um, your that expectations and those actions just will be set lower and lower until you find yourself in a situation where you question you know is this really love mm. and that's when things get a little spicy yeah here comes the realizations and then you mm. know you go through your whole process yeah like being in spaces or hearing people say I love you I care about you and then it not really like recognizing that it's not really that and that this person is actually harming you or hurting you you know and so it's a lot of undoing and recognizing of harm it's about accountability you've said this accountability is love yeah I think that is something that like I've I've been delving into uh, recently um where having someone come to you and say like hey like maybe you should look into this like do you think that like this is something that we can work on that's a sign that they want you to be a better person and Mm. that they're clocking things that maybe you have overlooked or growth areas that are still like simmering and they're trying to kickstart that to help you become like the person that you can be yeah and um that really um plays into a lot of things because I feel like it also plays to like the current moment that we're stepping into right now with the protest and like a matter of like legitimacy of like who is the one that's pushing for the better version of like the country Mm. where in reality wouldn't it be the people that are hoping to make it equitable and harmonious for everyone instead of the ones that are trying to overlook things for the sake of keeping the calm and keeping things going as they are even though they're destroying people's lives. Mm. But they do it in the terms of like, I love this place, therefore it needs to remain the same, even though it's harming all these people. Right. Wait, did you just bring in electoral politics? Is that what, <laughs> is that what you brought in? I mean, not necessarily. <laughs> oh, but I thought you were saying be. like, no, I thought you were saying, you know, like someone like Biden, who's like, I love this country, but yet is not wanting to like be held accountable or think about the harm that he's done. That is such a hot mess, honestly. <laughs> like, that's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> Bring me in for the C4 one, because. <laughs> oh, my God. The queer, queer reflections on electoral politics. <laughs> the tea is it simmering it's hot in here it's hot i i i put on my fan i put on my fan and i'm in a long sleeve shirt (laughs) (laughs) um but i think another thing that you've also talked about too um Mm -hmm. because we give a we gave a little snippet on our the spill the the live that we did for work um you asked this question of and and it it affected me i was like oh shoot it was like who can perf- <laughs> no really <laughs> who can perform love in this stereotypical way and who is not given the space to do that can you elaborate on that i think that the reason why there was so much hesitance also around the idea of love is because love tends to be pretty categorical like um, like categorically is sort of like thrown to more feminine individuals. Mm. Like they're sort of the ones that are uh, seen as the ones that are like leading through love. Mm. And um, that's not necessarily the truth altogether. I feel yeah. like love has many different manifestations 
and people are capable of showing it in different ways. Mm. Um, but I think that what has been happening lately, after episode one, actually, mm-hmm. I was thinking about the idea of gender expression and like who gets to be seen as doing that work because or working out of that perspective or that um uh lens because to some people like the provision of services and food security and all these things will be a labor of love Mm. and then if it's done by another individual that maybe doesn't fit that idea of somebody that works out of love it's just that they're providing services it's the same working framework, like the, the same thing that they're working out of, but depending on the person and like their identities, like some are given the space to do it and others are just sort of like, oh no, like they're just giving out food. But in order for you to do that, you have to like first take the time out, have the discipline to take the time out, time that is not for yourself, money that is not for yourself, space that is not for yourself, gather all these resources, compile them into the people and like how it's going to get into their whole, you know, space Mm. and then distribute that. And that's about as selfless and as loving as it gets towards like serving your community. Mm. But like that work that I do, it's never really seen as a labor of love. It's just seen as like a, like a bartering service or a distributive center or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something that I've been questioning because it's like, hmm, like, I wonder if another person were to do this, would it be categorized differently? Mm-hmm. So that's where, it, it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing conversation that I'm having with myself and just sort of like the plays that, um femininity and masculinity have on people but also mm-hmm. what does that how does that get mixed in when you bring in blackness into the situation and then how does how do people look at that and take that in and say well this is this because mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want but people will, will will react to it however they want yeah yeah wow I think too like what that makes me think about something else you said too <laughs> You you're saying all the you're saying all the gems and I'm just trying to give you space to elaborate. That's really that's really what this episode is about. You said that making sure that people have resources is love. Absolutely. Making sure that people have resources and love and it's interesting because I've had the, we've had these conversations about this hesitancy to about love being central to our work where it's like I from what I've known from you and the work you're doing now, it's like central to the work you do. Like yeah. the, the, the program that you've created, the bridge with other folks, that's getting resources to people. Like the work you do is so rooted in love. So it's interesting that there's like this like hesitancy and resistance while it's completely like centered yeah. to your work, you know? And so what I want you to talk about what the bridge is, let people know yes. the work you're doing, the important and beautiful work rooted in love that you're doing. Oh my goodness. And like, and we could talk that that could be the first part. 
Second part is, do you approach that work differently than our work in the nonprofit we work for? Ooh, I'm getting <laughs> in trouble, Ange. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're just sharing reflections. We're just, you know, okay. (laughs) Um, So, um, so the bridge came out of reflections around the coronavirus uh, when it happened, like when it started. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the people that work within the bridge share identities that most of the time are often overlooked. Mm -hmm. So um, people that gender expression is like non-binary, they're trans, um, we have black individuals, um, we have brown individuals, um, like people don't have money, don't have resources, don't have the safety nets, or they've stepped out of those situations because they've worked out of those situations. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they're queer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And um, Chica, which was, they were one of my roommates during college, and um, I like to call them one of my kids, because that's that's really what it is. <laughs> and uh, they approached me and they said, hey, like, I want to help. And I was like, who do you want to help? Because, <laughs> you know, um, according to the space that you're in, people uh, kind of like have their own lane and who they're helping. And a lot of the times, a lot of these lanes are shared, but then a lot of lanes are overlooked. And I'm going to leave that at that. <laughs> and um, sippy moments. I'm going to trademark uh, uh, it. I was looking sip. into trademark law this morning. Oh, my gosh. You should sip moments. Never seen it before. Trademark it. I want it on a hat, shirt, and a bumper sticker. That's what I'm talking about. I need a copyright, and I need a trademark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um so, yeah, no, like I asked, I was like, who do you want to help? And they said, well, you know, I want to help, at, uh, like, our communities. And I was like, okay. Mm. <laughs> and then a couple of days I was searching, I couldn't find anything. And at that point I was like, you know, when Hurricane Maria happened, my friends and I organized to get stuff to Puerto Rico. Yeah. I was really, like, the basis of where this work comes from and where these lessons were learned. We adapted it. And I said, um, if you give it a shot, I can teach you how to do this. Mm-hmm. And we can get things to people from our own way, in our own parameters, and in the context in which we want to work out of. Mm-hmm. And Chica gave it a shot. I gave it a shot. Um, we brought other people around. We brought my partner. We brought um, Camila, which is another person from the space that we work in, and Diego, and... Um, recently, uh, Camila is another person, another Camila, we have two Camilas <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we're collecting Camilas as we go along. Um, and, and so um, flow sounds about right. <laughs> it sounds about right. Yeah. And then, um, some other individuals that, uh, have been temporarily present and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. we put the message out there that we were helping kids at FIU that kind of were left behind in the sense that like. Providing resources without context is pointless. Mm. Meaning that if you provide a gift card to a supermarket that's empty. Oh, right. If you provide a gift card to a a supermarket that says masks are mandatory and you don't provide masks or hand sanitizer for the people to leave their buildings. Yeah. 
what does that do for them, you know? Mm. And so um, we filled in the gap. We knew that food drives were happening, but people didn't have transportation. Mm -hmm. So we gathered up money. We put things on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and text messages. And um, we gathered up like a couple hundred dollars and donations came in and we were able to provide food for food masks, hand sanitizer, toiletries for, um, we have a stable list of about uh, 10 to 15 individuals that we monthly give uh, a whole like month's worth supply of food and resources. Yeah. Um, including hand sanitizer masks. Um, recently we got a, a, a thing of, of school supplies um, and now we're looking into hurricane prep. Mm. because um, in particular, the people that we are serving are kids that are our age. So college age is a little nebulous because you're not really supported by the system that's supposed to take care of you, even though right. the foster care and the just a child care system in general is non-existent. Mm-hmm. And or um, you're not an adult yet. So you don't have a financial history. You don't have credit. You don't have right. money. You don't have a job. You don't have safety. You don't have mm-hmm. networks. Cause you just got here. Yeah. So it's sort of like make or break moment. And I knew what it felt like. So um, the other people that I was working with also knew what it felt like. And we didn't want that to happen ever again. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's how that whole conception of how that program happened. Um, so that's what we do on the weekends. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like what you said was so important. Because it's so true. We're seeing all of these resources being given out, mm-hmm. gift cards, this, that, and the other. But I feel like what the bridge does is it, like, is intention. intentionally. Oh, see, we're on the same page. It's intention. Yeah. It, it's the intentional recognition of the gaps that exist because you are providing resources to Black folks, gender nonconforming folks. Folks who hold both of those identities, folks that might not have a safe place to live. You know, there's so many aspects that y'all are intentional about recognizing because you're so right. What is what is someone who is immunocompromised? Because a lot of people think people our age can't be immunocompromised. Given Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Immunocompromised is given cash or a gift card. Going to a store is very risky, can be can be for somebody, yeah. if, especially if they mm-hmm. don't have a mask. And so y'all are like, again, intentionally like filling those gaps. And I think that's like one so beautiful and so necessary. And I feel like it's where it's where often nonprofits <laughs> yes. miss misstep is that I think we don't um, realize a lot of times the gaps that exist, you know, like, yeah. for example, here, here in Orlando, you know, OUC is a like electricity utilities company, and they're now reinstating um, like late fees and uh, disconnections. So if you don't pay, you get disconnected. They t- they turned it off because of coronavirus, but now all of a sudden they're thinking that this pandemic is like what over? No, right. and so there was this moment where organizations like ours were able to go speak. And I'm like, you're giving, you're telling people, oh, like, if you can't afford it, do a payment plan. Oh, if you can't afford it, here is this line that you can call that one doesn't pick up, is not taking more applications, 
Or two, you're asking for a social security number or a photo ID or proof of residence or something like that. And as a the nonprofit we work for, we have to recognize that like some people, people undocumented people. Here. Exactly. And so I feel like there's a lot of and a lot of times people are intentional about not wanting to fill those gaps. So I think the work that y'all are doing in the bridge. Ooh. Oh, I know that's another thing. <laughs> people intentionally knowing that they're not filling those gaps and they see those oh gaps. And it's like, mm, that seems like a lot of work. It's easier yeah. to not have to do A, B, and C, you know, yeah. I feel like we're kind of dancing around a couple, yeah. a you couple, know. a couple sippy moments. But for what I'm trying to, to bring in is just the importance of the work that y'all do at the bridge and what we need more of, which a lot of it's like mutual aid efforts, you know, but that yeah. are intentional about like those gaps and thinking about the different identities that, that show up when we talk about what giving resources is to communities. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, it's, I wanted to address the part of like, is it the same or is it different than the work that we do on a daily basis? And it's not, um, it's not any different. I look at the details mm. and I try to be as detail oriented as I, as we can, because that's very much what, what it comes down to, um, for example, like with climate justice, the idea that climate is just hurricane prep or buying a Tesla or solar panels mm. is useless. Yeah. Um, because, and, and this is a, like with the campaign name from the root is because of um, the fact that these issues are so um, like considered superficially Mm-hmm. And the reason why it doesn't move is because we're not hitting things from the root of like their conception. If you don't yeah. look at the quality of life from the person and all those different scenarios that come together to create that experience, what exactly are you talking about? You know, mm-hmm. because if you're not looking at transportation, housing, um, their job, uh, the education that their kids are getting, the time that they have for themselves and, you know, um, you don't really see the patterns that set in that result in all that level of consumption and anxiety and a uh, mm-hmm. sense of like impending doom and, you know, all of these things that sort of like create the conditions to have like the current society that we live in, in which like it's acceptable to have the behaviors that we have and lead to the results that we have, such as um, the levels of like emissions, et cetera, et cetera, that they want to discuss, but often disregard everything else so the same thing with the um with the with the bridge we call the individuals and ask them if they have any food um aversions Mm. if they prefer a product over the other right if they need um medicine Mm. or anything else that's not just like food and sanitation right um so it's not just that we're just handing a box with things inside it it's what do you specifically need for your diet? Mm-hmm. If you need like cherries, grapes, watermelon, oranges, like broccoli, you like spinach, but you don't like onions. That's yeah. taken into consideration because we know what it feels like to live off of donations. Mm. Like we were there. We're still there. Some of us are still there. Yeah. A lot of us are pulling this weight and we're basically looking into a mirror. Hmm. the only difference is time 
they are just a couple months like before to like what we are right now yeah so because the person that I am in this moment is very different from the one that started flick like when I started flick I could have easily been the person that I'm giving uh the service to right now so that's really what it like that's the root of it it's like we know because we are them (laughs) all of that makes me think about too is again this conversation we had on the live we love a live um was kind of like people thinking about like well how does all of this connect because we were talking about climate justice we were talking about that's literally my my bread and butter every day is like Naomi is this even climate and I'm like okay sweetie (laughs) right it's it's all connected right it's you know because we were talking again climate justice immigrant rights you know queerness blm and people are like what's happening (laughs) you know but i feel like one thing that you've taught me the way tell me if this is correct a lot of times the way that you're framing your work in climate justice is thinking about quality of life yes and what that means for people right so cute yes it's connecting the humanity because oftentimes when we think about climate justice we're thinking about which is important the earth in our relationship to the earth and how we harm it with, you know, fracking you know, or, you know, plastic. Super important part, like who lives in the earth? Who lives? Uh, hum- yes. <laughs> I feel like the quality of life framework to climate justice is getting people to think about the humanity as we're thinking about renewable, this, that, or the other. So let me, let me mm-hmm. see if I can connect this, see if I'm on, if the, yes. the, the wheels are turning correctly. We love to see it. So example, Orlando is spending a lot of money to get these buses to be electric. Right. But they're not trying to change the routes that take people hours to get to where they need to be, like four to five hours out of their day to get to work back and forth. How does that affect someone's quality of life and their ability to spend time with their families, their ability to have, I don't know, fucking play basketball, something, you know? And so I think that's so important that I hope people are are listening to, especially like thinking about climate justice and often how it's been co-opted to be like, get your, get your, oh my gosh, this, you know what I'm mad about? Paper straws. That stuff gets mushy in my mouth. (laughs) You know, get your cardboard straws, you know, turn off the sink when you're brushing your teeth. And that's it. We don't have to think about how black and brown our communities are often next to power exactly. plants, you know, and it's it's like exactly. and you're so right. It's about like not yes, about what illnesses can come. But how does that affect their quality of life to smell that every day or to call, you know, so that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've gone to in terms of like this work and the work that you do. So thank you. This is wonderful. I <laughs> think that um, uh I think that, for example, like with the buses, um, not only do they not change the routes, ask them how many bus stops have overhead, mm-hmm. like an overhead over it. When it rains, do they get rained on? Are they next to the curb? So if there's a puddle, do they get splashed on? Mm-hmm. Do they pick up the trash around the bus stop? Like, are the bus seats clean? There's stigma around riding a bus here in South Florida. If you ride a bus, you're broke. And 
we don't like being broke in Miami or being considered broke in Miami is tough. People treat you like trash. There's it's so interesting because like again like me a couple months ago it was a different story, and um, I had crashed my car. I was running around. I didn't have any money, and I was like doing rallies and stuff. And I was catching the bus to go to like downtown and protest. And um, oof, times those were some times. I was doing all kinds of stuff to make ends meet, girl. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So um, creative. Uh, it, okay. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, in Biscayne Boulevard, there is a bridge. And under that bridge, there is a bus stop. That bridge connects you to the I-95 that takes you to, you know, all over the place. But if you've been to Miami, you know that people like to use Miami as a public toilet because they close down the actual toilets and people have a housing crisis. Therefore, like they use the bathroom wherever they can because people have necessities and they need to recognize the humanity, um, especially if you need to create housing, not housing, property opportunities, because there's a difference between a property and a home. And the difference is income level. And um when you provide opportunities for property and not homes, you make way for a housing crisis. And that's what we're seeing now. So you have all of this like urine and even like straight up like poop on the floor that gets washed up, run over, um, you know, all kinds of things. Those sidewalks are never power washed. Mm. They're never like, there's no green space. There's nothing circulating to cleanse the air. It's just Mm -hmm. stuck humidity and heat in an area that has excess nutrients, as they like to say. And people smell that every day after they got out of their, um, like, employer's 34th floor apartment overlooking the Bay of Miami, you know, the employer also graciously went from their block and did a three minute drive to the bus stop, dropped off the employee. And now that employee has to be stuck at that bus stop for an hour and a half or however much time the bus takes to come pick them up while they smell all of the wonderful excrements that Miami has to offer. So it's, it's that level of detail where it's like, you saw every single step that that comes in and it's, Honestly, if there's anything that people get out of me speaking today, it's really just look at the details. Look at the details. <laughs> yeah. Recognize the mm-hmm. gaps. And intentionally feel them. Don't just do it for the sake of like, you know, uh, saying that you did something. Because if you're not doing it intentionally, then it oftentimes it leads to more. It's more insidious because you're not doing the best that you can do. And that's lazy. And because we know that people have the capacity to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on top of that, like, it sort of creates a false expectation of what the work should be. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really, it's a little iffy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a hefty topic there. Yeah. But that, that felt good. That felt good. Yeah. And I want, I want folks to like, you know, maybe go back a couple seconds, a couple minutes and just reflect. Think about that. Think <laughs> about that it. Simmer. Let that simmer. And so while we let that simmer, 
you know, yes. just to bring a little lightness, a little, you know, I'm doing a little yes. shoulder shimmy right now. We love the shoulder shimmies. Last episode, we didn't have a name for it, but we want to introduce the segment. Love is a battlefield. <laughs> I, uh, Pat Benatar, hello. Because people love to weaponize love and make it really corny, make it really corny. And so can you, on this segment of love is a battlefield, when have you seen love being weaponized in super corny ways in the name of progress? Injustice. Oh, I got you. Um, our girl Kendall Jenner. <laughs> oh, okay. I think I know where this is going. I mean, I shouldn't have a job right now <laughs> because she ended it. She solved it. You shouldn't I'll have a job it. right now. There's no nonprofit industrial complex because she solved it. All of the problems are solved. Mm-hmm. What does she do again? I, I'm trying to remember. She ended world hunger by giving a Pepsi to a cop in a commercial. <laughs> And then had the audacity to cry about it on her show, saying, I had no idea this would cause this. Oh, goodness. Goodness. And, you know, it's, it's, and it was really crazy because, you know, that as if that was the only one, but I remember when um, there were like runway shows that people were like walking with the, with like the picketed signs. Oh, my God. And they were doing the equivalent of that, but like in bigger scale. Yeah, and then they were surprised as to why they got heckled, and I was like, "Sweetie, read the room, read the room." You know what it is? It's like I imagine people like us who get it, who mm-hmm. see that kind of stuff. It's like a collective. Like people can't see us, <laughs> but it's a collective. Like, <laughs> wait, did y'all did y'all just see that? Like, did yeah. did we really just watch this fake protest? Kendall Jenner showing up with a crop top. And jeans, handing this Pepsi. Blowed out, dried, like straight bone hair, <laughs> super spectacular, not sweaty, not hit with rubber bullets. She just skipped all of the riot gear and she said, Mr. Officer, do you want a refreshment? Do you want a refreshment? Oh my gosh, a sugar filled refreshment. <laughs> you know what's so interesting? So this this part is to get into the kind of like absurdity, kind of like I said, the corniness, but also let's yes. like name the layers of that. Thinking about the yeah. Kardashians' history of anti-blackness, one, mm. the appropriation mm. of black culture, that they're made this commercial using Kendall Jenner to kind of like mend the relationship between the people and cops <laughs> with a soda Isn't that's that like wild? that, like that's like. It's capital. It's like about selling the soda, so it's like rooted in like capitalism. You know, like hello. Like I just wonder, are there jobs for people to just say like, you know, I wonder if one of us could get hired just to be like, hey, look at this idea. Is this okay? Is this problematic? <laughs> I think Literally, they, I think they do have those jobs, but they don't hire the right people for that. They don't. And they that's don't. and that's why we see that stuff. These performances, yeah. like you like to say. I we love we love listen the amount of performances that I've seen since the coronavirus started in the protest like there's no need for the Oscars anymore because we're seeing it on the street like I didn't know that I was in contact with so many actors and actresses but thank you guys for joining us for that segment a love is a battlefield maybe y'all will see it next time we, we love it we love a cute segment we love a cute segment yes. spontaneity yes yes 
So, you know, we're reaching, we're reaching the, the yeah. close to the, to the hour mark. So want to wrap up with the final question. Yes. You know, why we're here, the podcast name with love and rage. We've talked a lot about love, the way that it's been weaponized, like how it showed up in your life and your work, you know, the possible hesitancy and tensions, the aha moments, like, wait a second, have I been selling myself self short, not thinking about love in this way? So I want to bring in the piece of rage. Like how, mm. how does love and rage coexist in your work and highlight specifically like the relationship of both of those dynamics, love and rage, or just multiple truths in general? Multiple truths. <laughs> um, I, I think that I get considered intense a lot. <laughs> mm. And like, you know, like people are like, oh, like bring your fire, like you're super intense, like, you know. Mm. come scream at my protests, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and um, that comes out of legitimate experiences. Mm-hmm. I think that within communal spaces and organizing spaces, there are people who are mad at things because they've read about it, they've seen it, they've heard about it, but then there are people who live through it. Mm. and that <laughs> yes is who really be turning tables and flipping them and throwing them out the window and i i i'm i'm i center myself in the experiences that i've had and everything that's happened because i feel like these 23 years have been long <laughs> mm. and um out of that work and out of that like whole like analysis and everything, I sort of like ground myself and push forward understanding that I can get creative in the ways in which I imagined this world could be. Mm-hmm. So yes, like we started out of that. But that doesn't mean that somebody else has to come in and live that. Mm-hmm. So what is that gap that we need to fill? We love a full circle moment. We love a full circle. Oh my gosh. I'm here. I'm here to support <laughs> this, you know? I'm here to support. And so what is that gap that needs to be filled, intentionally filled, to make sure that the people that are coming behind me don't have to get like wrecked in school because none of the perspectives take you into consideration and you feel like you're not worth being there so there comes the imposter syndrome and then there comes the opportunities that you think that you don't deserve so you look them over and they were the ones that could have pushed you to be the person that you could be Mm. and um then how that affects your quality of life because if you don't take those opportunities then will you have the resources and the networks to push you on even further and get the things that you need Mm um so i'm privileged in the sense that even when i thought that i wasn't able to people were like well like fuck all that that you're saying 
we're going to go ahead and put you there anyways. And then they helped me get to the point where um, uh, I should be. But then again, like I bring certain things to the table that are seen as valuable. So, Mm -hmm. you know, education, multiple languages, like et cetera, et cetera, the perspectives, the analysis. So um, it's not just uh, saying like, you know, like this happened, it's also working towards making it better, but also understanding that there's a whole different universe that people are trying to conceive of and you can do whatever you want. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like you can literally do whatever you want. And, you know, if sustainability looks like people like making like their own localized centers for distribution or maintenance or whatever, like that's acceptable. Yeah. Same thing if people want to do uh, urban gardens and floating gardens and whatever, that's acceptable. There's so many different ways that people can go about expressing like what their whole thing should be. And it's just really exciting. And I think that you know, it's consistently being in touch with the things that have happened to you and the context in which you were brought up in and the things that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, not only in your space, but also like like time-wise, like mm-hmm. longitudinal. Like it's not just you at this given moment, but who was the you of 60 years ago? Mm-hmm. Or 60 years before that? Mm-hmm. Where were they? And what do you need to do to make sure that you honor them respect them but also push the 60 years you from the future into like the stratosphere Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah I feel like I feel like also what you named in there was like the differences between because as I'm as I'm like putting these conversations out there or like giving the space for people to think about this I think one thing I loosely named, I think in the first episode, is how our very, our like different layering of identities, whether like different layers of marginalization, whether that's gender, race, religion, whatever it may be, sexuality, that there's a, in the ways that I have these conversations, thinking about who I'm centering and whose voices I'm centering, there has to be a recognition that there is a difference between being enraged by something you're reading about versus being enraged by something you're reading about and also experiencing. Isn't that wild? And then reading about it and it not being accurate because it wasn't written by the person that was affected by it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So shout out to me in college because that was (laughs) wild. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's so, but it's so important because you know, and also when we think about whose rage is often invalidated. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I get you're angry, but like, why are you that angry? You know, like there has to be. So I think there's also those, I think we've, we've touched heavily, I think in the last two conversations, you know, the first episode and this one, a lot about the dynamics of love. But Mm -hmm. I think what I want to get more into throughout this process is also like the dynamics of rage (laughs) that it isn't just like, Oh, we're all mad. Cause we are, but I think there are people there. Yeah. There are levels to it. Who sit in that anger and rage consistently. That's me. <laughs> right. And, and what, in yeah. what ways are we, so I guess my question for you then, 
Yeah. Are, are there, what do you do to like, to like process that? Like process the rage that you feel. Do you, do you have any, any advice or snippets for the folks at home? <laughs> well, there's different layers to it. Um, because obviously there's the systemic, but there's also what the manifestations of that look like in your home life. Yeah. And um, I think that, like, uh, I myself have had a very hard time processing all these things, which Mm. have led to some pretty bad behaviors that I'm now trying to course correct. Mm. So when people say stuff about addiction and, like, you know, quote, unquote, bad choices, they need to speak about the context in which the person is living in. Mm. So um, a lot of individuals really don't have it easy and um i feel like in communal spaces and the nonprofit spaces that behavior is just sort of commodified and pushed because it gets reactions Mm. and it creates some pretty toxic environments if people aren't careful of like the ways in which they're mediating that energy personally like I push a lot of that energy into the work that I do. That's why if you see three events in one month, <laughs> that is not, that's not, that's not what it's about. <laughs> it's yeah. about sustainability, but um, the amount of uh, energy that that rage produces needs to be put somewhere. And if I don't put it somewhere, it's going to return back to me. Mm. And like I've been in situations where, all of that energy is just simmering and I, and I, and I found myself in a very like um, vulnerable slash like, you know, like I wasn't going to make it. So um, I think that I hate it when people tell me to do yoga (laughs) or breathe. I think that within, yeah, I think that in drink water, I think that, um, within the idea of love being weaponized is also the idea of self-care being weaponized to put the blame onto, or not the blame, but the responsibility onto the person that's being affected. Yeah. So you could literally be punched out by the police. And I promise you that while you're telling the story of what happened to you, um, somebody will walk up to you and say, well, have you tried meditation? Let me tell you, let me tell you something individual out there who's um, <laughs> pulled the mic up me. to your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me just tell you real quick. If nobody's told you this before, <laughs> <laughs> we love that you meditated and you saw Jesus. <laughs> However, some people really like, it goes a little deeper And they need to just work a little bit harder because the conditions have not improved. People are just being asked to meditate, but the conditions don't move from what they are. So I just need you to just not say anything at all and just put that energy to actually making the conditions improve and not just expecting people to meditate, like meditate through a fire. Mm, That's all. That's That's all that we want. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me to drink water because I'm going to, I'm, I'm, Listen. <laughs> well, Naomi. Slurp. Sippy moments. <laughs> Sippy moments. Yes. Um, it was, I mean, it's always so 
great to unpack with you, to mm-hmm. be with you, spend time with you, even if it's virtually. Naomi and I really, you know, during like non-pandemic quarantine times, we see each other in each other's cities getting pho or wings. <laughs> or it, I think it's super cute because every time that like I'm sort of like driving around, we end up in like some shenanigans. Yeah. A bar, doing one one A drag next- show. Yeah. Then next thing we know, what we're at Disney Springs with my younger sister, TikTok Queen. You know, <laughs> we're like in the sex museum. Now we're like looking at the archives <laughs> of the Rolling Stones. Yeah, now oh we're God. like in Brickle. Oh A my drag gosh. queen is like, you know, like staring at you while she's like doing the lip sync to some Whitney Houston song in Wexford. Wow. Yeah. We live multi dimensional lives. I love to do one on ones at bars. I've realized. Yes. You know what? Honestly, we love for it. Sometimes nine to five, those hours are not prime. You know, sometimes it's, it's at 10 p.m. with Bad Bunny in the background. Well, maybe not Bad Bunny because, you know, he's questionable. But, you know, he, some he type so of, <laughs> you know, something. But no, it's always, it's always, um, you know, I I said this on our on our live because it's been something that's been brewing within me. Like, Thinking about like what does it mean to love our friends, our people out loud, you know? And this friendship, this friendship with you, I know, getting into it, this friendship with you affirmed for me, reaffirmed for me that we need to make that a practice in our lives and our work. This process of of loving each other and caring for each other out loud. So Naomi, I love you. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for everything you brought into this space. And I just feel like also this conversation too, even the one with Akil, like how radical it is for us, two queer folks, thinking about the different identities we hold, (laughs) like how beautiful it is that we're we're naming things like love and rage in our work. You know, like the basis, like that's important. And so you're a part of that work too. So I thank you for sharing with me and being in this space with me. Oh, goodness. Let me tell you <laughs> something, Ange. Um, I think that like, I just, I, if it doesn't get said again within this show, um, let me be the first or, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the amount of, energy and time and consideration that you have put onto this podcast Mm. and the fact that you are doing what you have to do to get these perspectives out into you know the stratosphere is something that really thank you Mm. just thank you thank you for what you do thank you for who you are thank you for who you are in and out of work because Ange doesn't clock out at 5 p.m. Ange is a 25-8 individual. <laughs> and it is really, like, we, we're we here for the authenticity. We're here for really, like, that proactive, revolutionary work that you do. And I'm not even joking. Like, it's revolutionary. Um, so. Wow. There you go. There My you go. My heart. There my heart go. thank you Naomi. daddy forever number batty forever yes 
Well, again, love you so much. Thanks for joining us for episode two. Y'all, if you felt good about this conversation, share your thoughts on Instagram, on Apple Podcasts. Show love to Naomi. Oh, my gosh. Wait. Plug. What's up? What do you do? You have anything to share? Where can people follow your work? Can people support the bridge? Like, tell us. Yes, people can support the bridge. Um, follow me on Instagram, and if you can like um, hook that up and provide that information, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Um, I'm on Facebook as well, though my Facebook is chaotic. Um, <laughs> we take donations for the bridge whether it's monetary or actual items, just as long as they're in their wrapping and everything set on them. Yeah. If you have other things outside of food, sanitation, and hygiene, you're welcome to us too because you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always support GoFundMe accounts. Mm-hmm. So yesterday there was a campaign and we donated almost $500 to it. Wow. Um, so it's... it's an, it comes out of our pockets. So, mm. you know, when we prop up these individuals, it's because they come to us and they know that, you know, within community, although I think that we need to hold the individuals that are actually supposed to like serve us accountable, community's here to hold it down too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, add me on Instagram, follow me, go on the Flick page and look at everything that's Flick environment. Yes, flick environment. Wear highlights mm-hmm. and know that um, I put events out there, and we have an event coming up soon about um the farm workers and heat as another part of the piecing together the economy of the people series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, hurricane materials are coming out too, and the spill is coming up as well again. Yay, the spill! Super excited about that. Mm. Um. And yeah, just if you ever want me to speak in your spaces, let me know as well. I'm always down to talk about the stuff that we're doing or climate. Booker. Pay me. Okay, y'all. Peace out. See you next time. 